Thank you so much for that worship this morning. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. We're in the second Sunday of Advent, a time of expectation, a time of anticipation, a time of waiting, uh, a time of reflecting, a time of celebrating the birth of Jesus. And as you're turning to Isaiah chapter 9, uh, I want you to think about this. What characteristics do you look for in a hero? What characteristics do you look for in a hero? Typically, I think we would say courage, maybe conviction, determination, strength, loyalty, honesty, perseverance, leadership skills, heroes. When people look for a hero, they're looking for these things, and maybe you thought of different things. This past Thursday was December the 7th, the 82nd anniversary to the attack on Pearl Harbor, which started World War II. Heroes. Heroes who fought and died for this country. One of my, uh, uh, I guess, favorite Pearl Harbor movies is the movie Pearl Harbor, the, I guess, Maybe it's the most recent one with uh, Matt Damon. Is that the guy's name? I don't even know the actor's names. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Yeah, it's, it's a love story, but you get some good you know, Pearl Harbor stuff in there. I love that movie. But one of my favorite parts is as they're on this carrier steaming to attack Japan for the first time, the, the Doolittle Raid was ready, you hear one of the generals up on the deck looking at the two main characters, and he says, I know we're going to win this war. He says, we may lose this battle, but we're going to win the war. And he says, because of people like that, because of volunteers, because of the heroes that seem to rise up during times like these. For my generation, 9-11 was a time where heroes rose up to defend this country and to be heroes. Uh, maybe five, six years after 9-11, the war in Afghanistan was, was, really, uh, was really raging. The war in Iraq was raging too. A former student of ours, a youth, graduated high school, didn't really know what to do with his life. So he joined the Army, was a frontline infantry. I don't, I don't know exactly what it was called, but he was a frontline combat unit. Uh, but a kid I never thought would have amounted to much was a hero to defend his country. Another one of my former students joined the Navy. I just got out recently. Again, heroes, courageous, determined, strength, loyalty, honesty. Advent is a time where we celebrate a hero. In fact, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is the story of a hero, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Last week, we looked at Genesis chapter 3, the the fall of mankind, the tragedy of humans' rebellion against God. And in in, in the midst of their guilt, in the midst of their hopelessness, in the midst of their shame and nakedness, nakedness, in the midst of all of that, in the middle of that, You find Genesis 3.15, the first gospel where God promised 
to send a king, where God promised to fix the problem, where God promised a hero to save the world, a hero to bring peace. And when you get to Isaiah 9, you see characteristics of that hero. So read that with me, starting in verse 1. Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulon and the land of uh, Nephtali. But in the future, in the future, he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan and to Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time and as they rejoice with the divide, when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders and the staff of their oppressors just as you did on the day of Midian. For every, for every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For, the, for, a, for a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. It is a prophecy pointed directly to Jesus. But what we see are the characteristics of this hero, the characteristics of this Savior. First 1 and 2 give us the context of what's happening. The end of Isaiah 8 is a dark and bleak picture. It is a picture of gloom and doom. It is a picture of corrupt, wicked people who are seeking occult wisdom, who are looking for medians and uh, astrologers and all these different places to get wisdom for the future. It's a people rejecting the wisdom and guidance of God. There are people just roaming the earth in anger and despair and people who are cursing God. That's the end of Isaiah 8. Does it sound familiar? It is a dark and bleak picture of people rejecting godly wisdom, people outright rejecting God. The same thing happens in our culture today, which I'll say this. You think we have it bad. It's always been bad. Okay? I mean, you think you... Things are so much worse today than it's ever been. No, it's not. It's just as bad today as it's always been from the moment Adam let Eve. Notice what I did there, men. Adam let Eve take a bite out of that fruit. It's been bad. It's always been bad. There's anger and war and rumors of wars. There's been conflict and corrupt, wicked people. And it's been a dark and gloomy, distressed time. And in the midst of it again, like last week, we see the characteristics of a Savior. We see God telling this prophet to tell the people that as bad as it is, 
I'm not going to destroy you completely. I'm going to save you. And here are the characteristics of the Savior I will send. Here's what you are looking for. The first characteristic is the king is light. This coming king is light. During the darkness, he shines light. So the scripture says that the light has dawned in the land of darkness. And this, this is nothing less than the light of Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John 8 that I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus began his teaching in the region of Galilee. Predicted. By the way, Old Testament, very important. Why? It points to Jesus. You know how we know Jesus is the Savior? Because Jesus fulfills every single Old Testament prophecy about himself. He starts his ministry in the region of Galilee. He revealed himself first in the synagogues to, uh, where the Spirit of the Lord just began to bless people. He was shining the light into dark places. I'll never forget. I, I know I've told this story before, but it, it's perfect. I'll never forget as a teenager. Ryan, get some ideas here, okay? Our youth ministry, uh, it costs about $50,000 to do this over, over, over 10 years. Our youth ministry had an extreme adventure ministry. We would go up into Tennessee and Virginia, and we would go spurlunking or caving. We would go and we would crawl and do these little caves. It was really, really cool. We get to one of these caves, uh, and our youth leader turns out all of our lights. I mean, no, no joke. I could put my hand on my face. I could not see my hand. We were as blind as the fish swimming in the pond that I tripped in trying to walk around in the dark cave. No joke. He told us to walk around. I walked and I fell into a little stream with these fish that were blind. He always took us in the middle of winter. So now I'm wet and cold and blind, metaphorically speaking. And then in the midst of that, he strikes a match. And instantly the light of that match illuminates the whole little area we're in. He says, walk around. You can walk around. You could see. My friend who had bumped in the wall and had mud all over his face could now see that wall that he bumped into because the light pierces the darkness. Anywhere where there is darkness in this world, the king, Jesus, shines a light into it, and the darkness cannot overcome the light. That's the very definition of light. It destroys darkness wherever it's at. The king, the characteristic of the king is that he is the light of the world. He takes the, in the midst of the gloom and distressed land, he shines light. He shines the glory of God. If you want to remember this first point, the, the light goes, takes the gloominess to the glory of God. Gloom to glory because he is the light. The second characteristic is he is victorious. Verses 3, 4, and 5, we see people who have been walking, living in darkness, respond with joy. The nation is enlarged, and the people are rejoicing because of the complete and total victory that the king brings. The picture that uh, Isaiah is, is alluding to, most likely what he's alluding to, is this moment in history when Gideon, y'all remember Gideon, defeated the overwhelmingly oppressive nation of the Midianites without a sword in his hand. 
You can read about this in Judges 6 and 7. At that time, Israel was, uh, was enslaved. They, they, they were walking in darkness. They had been enslaved. God rose up Gideon and his 300-men army defeated the great Midianite army. It was a complete and total victory, not because of Gideon, because of the king, because God, God delivered them into their hands. The Bible is clear. Listen, the Bible's clear. We are enslaved and oppressed by sin. We are defeated by sin. But Christ gives us a complete, total victory. Again, World War II. We had complete victory in Europe and against Japan. Christ gives us a complete victory over sin and death because of what he did on the cross. He is a victorious king who comes to save the world. He's a light. The king is light. The king is victorious. The third characteristic we see is he is fully human and he's fully divine. He's fully human and he's fully divine. This is what makes this like so impressive. Like in the midst of this, Isaiah is just going on about this victorious king, this light and this promise. The great, he's going to sit on the throne of David. Everything's going to expand. It's going to be good. And then he says, a child will be born. Now, I don't know about you. I've never seen a child have complete total victory. Maybe over the parents when there's a battle over a cookie. I don't know. All right. But this king will be born a child. He'll be born a human. He will come to save us. A child will be born a son will be given. That's the humanity of Jesus. He was fully human. This is the incarnation. Big theological word there. Where God dwelled as a man. A perfect man. Who never sinned. Who taught that the kingdom of God was coming. Who showed us a glimpse of what the kingdom of God will look like. Fully human would have struggled the way humans struggled, not in a sinful sense, but he would have faced the same temptations you and I face. We don't, we don't have really any stories of Jesus as a kid or Jesus as a teenager, but he was a te- kid and he was a teenager. Hormones are hormones. Temptations are temptations. He would have faced those same temptations. Every temptation we struggle with, he struggled with and overcame He didn't give in to the temptation because he was perfect, but he understands what we're going through because he is fully human. At the same time, he is fully divine. He is both natural and supernatural, and the supernaturalness is described in these little sub-characteristics where it says he is the wonderful counselor. Literally means it's the wonder of a counselor. It means that Jesus is wonderful, extraordinary. He does things that are beyond the normal capacity. This is pointing to, first and foremost, the signs and wonders that Jesus will do. Healing the blind, healing the sick, making the lame walk. The wonderful signs that he does. And as counselor, he gives perfect wisdom. Do you see the difference? 
Chapter Isaiah 8, they're seeking wisdom from the occult. They're seeking wisdom from uh, medians. And Isaiah says, no, 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 you want wisdom from the wonderful counselor, the one who gives wonderful, perfect wisdom. And he is also mighty God. He is fully divine. A child will be born. He is wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. He is a powerful warrior. He is deity. He is eternal father. Jesus, though he's born as a child, he's born and a son is given to us, he has always existed. You go back and read Genesis 1, 2, 3, you see it kind of goes, the narrative will switch to the plural. Let's create uh, humans in our image. The Trinity is very real and very relevant in creation. Jesus is the agent of the creation. As John tells us, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. The word is God. He has always existed and he will always exist and he's the Prince of Peace. That's, that's Advent today. The Prince of Peace. Jesus brings peace between God and man. Jesus brings peace that surpasses all understanding. He brings peace that can only be accomplished through his death and his resurrection. Jesus says in John 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do not give, I do not give to you as the world gives. And he says, do not let your heart be troubled or fearful. You have my peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Paul says it this way. He says, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He brings peace. And you may be sitting there thinking, well, this world is anything but peaceful. It's really not what it's talking about. He brings peace between a rebellious humanity and God. He bridges the gap that was created when Adam and Eve sinned. He finishes the work that God started in Genesis 3. That's who Jesus is. Now, it's kind of an already moment, but he is coming again. And when this Prince of Peace comes again... There will be peace, worldly peace. There will be perfection restored. But that's a sermon for another day. So in this Advent season, we are celebrating the first coming of Jesus while we anticipate the second coming of Jesus. Where our tears will be wiped away, pain and suffering will go away. But these are the characteristics of the king. He is the light of the world, He is fully human, fully divine. He is completely victorious. He is wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. He is eternal father. And he is the prince of peace. This is a description of the promised king from Genesis 3, 15. And what I really want you to see as we go through this, God has worked in history and through history pointing us to a savior pointing us to that little baby who's born in Bethlehem. Let's pray together.
Father, we thank you for this day and this time. We thank you for your Savior, Jesus Christ, the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the eternal Father, the Prince of Peace. Father, if any of us are here today and we've not experienced that peace, Father, help us to surrender our life to Jesus. Help us to put our faith in him. Help us to follow after our Lord so that we can stand before you restored to a right relationship. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.